0: Idiots! This is not the Justin Shapiro show. My name is beloved podcast guest Justin Shapiro. It's all on the birth certificate. Uh, It's been so long since I did this that my kitsch novelty theme song has actually been adopted by the real TV show, so that's a pickle. Um, I just don't like doing these. I'm sorry. But in this case, uh, I've made a concession for extraordinary circumstances whenever my all-time great friends... I have gone and seen a pro wrestling show at the Pro Wrestling Showcase, and then I want to hear about it, and it's like, oh, well, they could do this and perform for the masses for huge lucrative results. So I'm joined today by one Matthew Feuerstein and another one Thomas G. Feely, or is it J? G. It's G, right? Okay. Uh,
1: Matt, how are you? I am... I am... Good. Gooey Hello. and gooey.
0: <laughs> that took a turn, Matt. Um, You're so. Can you pull yourself together for this? I'm,
1: I'm. You know, wipe myself down a little bit. You're
0: viscous, <laughs> Tom. Same question. Are you gooey? I am not gooey. Um, I'm. I'm fighting to survive. I requested that both of you come here in peak dryness.
1: So, Matt, <laughs> strike one. Tell us. Um. Anyway, th- this, let's not... This is like, um. would you rather I'm losing points already?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, please don't vote early. Um, you two attended a major extravaganza, Let's Not Bury the Lead, and I want to hear all about it, and I've not let you tell me any... Have not let you told me? Have not let you tell me anything about it until this second, so this is all fresh. Um, you attended the WWE Pagar Por Vista... Tables, ladders, and chairs. 2012 at the Barclays Center. How was that show?
1: Well, I thought you were going to tell ask us about the pro wrestling showcase as you just, as you mentioned earlier. But um, what what I liked most about the tables, ladders, and chairs is that um, of the three, which do you- is that I could sit at a table with a <laughs> chair and eat a pretzel, and uh, I had no use for the ladders. Oh. Twist.
0: That would just be Press crazy. Twist.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, seems
0: like big things on the horizon for Ryback and Dolph Ziggler, wouldn't you say?
1: Quite. I I, I, couldn't, Quite. Believe, I couldn't believe that AJ turned <laughs> on Big Show because she hates giant chairs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, a real. Le- that's what got Eric Pakanowski fired, I think. Mm-hmm. WWE exec. Um, and then I would say the Alberto del Rio face turn not sure about that one.
2: I think it's really lived up to everything we expected uh that happened that night.
0: Shaky ground um have a right. brawler. <laughs> no guys, I am lying, of course. You went to WrestleMania among other things, and I wanna know everything tell me well let's let's go back to the beginning. Well, I, we set the stage similarly last time we talked about. Now, Tom used to watch stuff on TV. Matt, yeah. you were a diehard WWF baby, baby, and then came a bit of a lapse fan to the siren song of Ring of Honor in the mid aughts
1: And now, do you watch anything whatsoever ever? Well, WrestleMania season, I I follow pretty closely, but. I gotta say, I can't really get through a lot of these three-hour raws. They're so boring most of the time, and the raws before WrestleMania kind of sucked like a lot. So, <laughs> I uh, so I, I follow it very closely. Like I, I know what's happening. I tune in here and there, but I, I definitely do not watch complete shows pretty much ever.
0: So, was it a decision at all to go to this, or did you figure WrestleMania a big deal? You two are living it up in the city.
1: Couple of dudes on the move. You're
0: going to WrestleMania hard.
1: Well, we are dudes on the not move. Um, okay. I think that's that's fair to say. And I it was there it was a no brainer about going to WrestleMania because I lived in New York my whole life and I never have gone to a WrestleMania despite there being two in my lifetime. And it was because mostly those. those um, oh yeah, that's true. Well, two of my two <laughs> in my wrestling fan lifetime. Let me let's 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 say that. Sure. Um you've already embarrassed yourself. <laughs>
0: well yeah what what happened at
1: 20 you were a college I was a co- junior? I was I was a college Jew and um <laughs> and um the uh the the tickets were expensive and yeah. they sold out very and, the and they sold out very 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 quickly.
0: So, oh yeah that was a very small
1: bill. Yeah that what what made this one seem like such a no-brainer is like oh we can definitely get tickets to this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we did definitely get them. Did you have class the next day after WrestleMania twenty? Uh, I think that semester I had Mondays off. I don't know about Tom. What about you?
2: I let me see, still in high
1: day. school? No, you? no. Tom was in college, right? Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was in yeah I was in college, and I would not have had class the next day because I remember seeing it, and I would have not been seeing it if I was at college. Oh if yeah. I was not at college.
0: Yeah, and I, I was on spring break. This is what I've just been leading up to, <laughs> bragging about being on spring break at the
1: time. <laughs> You're bragging about the spring break you were on nine years ago. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. Well, I I think I I might have actually been also. I was um. I know that I watched it from my parents' house because I remember jumping around my parents' basement when the uh, the he who shall not be named won the title, and and then I remember huh? um, driving back with a friend and like raving about it the next day, even though my friend. Did not give a shit about wrestling at all. and But, hey, I was giving him a free ride so he could fucking listen to me talk about Chris Benoit winning the title. So, fuck him. Right? Right, guys? You're not wrong. <laughs> fuck him.
0: His, history has borne you out on that one, uh-huh. I'd say. Um, well, enough pussyfooting around. Let's get it into the gritty, nitty, itty-bitty, titty, how's that one go? itty bitty committee. That's right. The, the committee that is. has... Uh, been formed to delegate on matters involving... Pro Wrestling Showcase. Only a certain size of titty. What is the Pro Wrestling Showcase? I mean, I I know I'm an ignorant host, but I just... I don't know. It's one of those things. You
1: said it, and I assumed it was a thing you made up, so I'm just going with it.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, Yeah, I host the Pro Wrestling Showcase. It's a cable access show. (laughs) It's like those, uh... Hey! Hey, guys, remember when we got interviewed or they tried to interview us outside that uh, Brian Danielson McGinnis farewell show at the Hammerstein Ballroom, and I was like, Who are these f- pieces of shit who want to talk to me? And then it was for the uh, Colt Cabana documentary. Oh, the Wrestling
1: Road Diaries, which by the way, uh-huh. Justin gave me for free because he is <laughs> such a nice guy. Why did you have it? I, I, you'd be the last guy think, to, to buy that. Actually, no, you wouldn't be the last guy. You'd be one, pretty high on the list of guys, actually. But you would not be I the think first I'd guy. Be you would not be the first. In the middle baseline
0: of people who would get it. well because they said it was good and because I'm a not one of the like the people who get in on the ground floor with bands like CM Punk and uh Daniel Bryan and I'm like, What? These guys are really good, Matt. Have you ever seen them? <laughs> <laughs> so I watched it and I was like, Well that's good. It's super long. I'll never watch it again and Matt would get more out of it. So I just straight up gave it to you.
1: It might be why I'm so worried right now. No I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> with with a free D V D case. Uh-huh.
0: Oh yeah. What a great visual
1: joke that no one will
0: ever see. If you <laughs> want to
1: scan it. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, make it... I'll take a picture of it if I can still find it and post it to um I don't know i I'll send it to you and you can post it somewhere.
0: There we go. It'll be the cover art for this C D when I press it, and sell it in stores. <laughs> Um. So, okay, beyond WrestleMania, these are questions I literally don't know the answers to. Which of the other stuff did you go to? Okay,
1: we went to just the f- Saturday Dragon Gate USA, but I like to think that we had a 45-minute interlude at WrestleCon because we got there and the, show, the, <laughs> Drag- the Dragon Gate show started 15 minutes late, so we spent a lot of time in the lobby outside of where WrestleCon was. WrestleCon was already over, but Johnny Fairplay was sitting there at an autograph table, and he was pretty much by himself in the sense that nobody was looking at his autograph table, but, but to, to be fair, the convention was over, and I'm sure he sold a lot of graphs earlier that day, but he did, at one point, have one very interested potential customer. Justin, do you know who that customer was?
0: Bruce Mitchell?
1: Ooh, close. Um I'll give you a I'll give you a hint. The his name was Marty Gennetti.
0: Great hint. <laughs> um Nick Mitchell of the Spirit Squad, former tag team champion, like Marty Gennetti, probably wasn't. Did the new Rockers win the belts
1: that year? He's Marty Gennetti. And Oh okay. He was at the- Oh wait, did he steal did he steal all that stuff too? <laughs> he did not steal any autographs from Johnny Fairplay. But he was being interviewed by um somebody who was Was it those guys from the
0: Cold <laughs> yeah,
1: documentary? Yeah, I I honestly I'm sh- stepping I'm sure I feel I'm sure a lot of people are listening being like, You idiot, he was being interviewed by <laughs> but um I don't know who it was. And I thought it was Young. I thought it was weird that he was sitting there in his tassels because I was like, "Hey, <laughs> dude, you know they'd know who you were." But then I found out that he actually had wrestled on a Chikara show, so um, I guess that makes more sense. Because I mean, I, I I really did think that he just showed up at WrestleCon, and decided I, I better wear these tassels because that's what people know me by. And I was <laughs> like, "Dude, you can you, you can drop the tassels now. It's okay." It but happy. But you know, he looked he looked good, and uh, he smelled great. <laughs> and um <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I I actually sent Justin Why would you lie about that? <laughs> I, I don't know how he smelled, I'm trying to cover myself. Um I sent Unreliable narrator. I sent Justin a text um mm-hmm. earlier that um like during that whole period where we were um we were waiting to get into Dragon Gate USA. And I said, I'm in a sparsely populated, quiet room waiting to enter DJ USA. Other occupants of the room: Marty Gitti, Johnny Fairplay, Gabe Sapolsky, and Tom Feely. I can't not be dreaming. And I like to think that I was, in fact, dreaming.
0: Um, your dreams are in high demand now, I've heard though. <laughs> <laughs> Premium content on a pay website. Indeed. All right, Feely, what about you? How do you How did you... Yeah yeah, yeah, get in here. Have a take. Uh-
2: Um, the most impressive thing to me about that lobby was that there was actually somebody who had bought the big show WMD t-shirt. That was my big takeaway. Uh, also when we first walked in, there was this Japanese man at a small table and he just whispered to me, like, that's Jingo. And like, not, no, I had never seen a Dragon Gate show going up to this point, so I was just like... I don't want like eye contact, cause I would have been like, oh, I have no idea who you are, and that would be awkward, so. <laughs> and then I was, and then I was, I was like, I was stuck between basically a triangle, like Shingo, Johnny Fairplay, and Mari Donetti, who um... actually, I remember when he first stepped in, um... Like, Johnny Fairplay wasn't at his table for whatever reason. So he had like all these photos, uh, like, you know, there. And I'm like trying to figure out like, who is this person? And uh, I, I saw the hair in the first, like, I'm kind of vaguely aware of who Kenny Omega is. So like, this looks like who I think, like what I think Kenny Omega looks like, but way more of an asshole. So I just went over to Matt and he was like, that's Johnny Fairplay. So, and then, and then once he, uh, came back to his, uh, table and saw, that jacket that he was wearing, that pretty much uh said off. I did like too when um when uh the, they finally let out for the show. Pretty much I think I'd the one person that actually like bothered to one person and Marie DeNetty were like the only people that decided to pay any attention to dunny Fairplay, so it's been a uh a hard fall.
1: <laughs> no, no, listen. This guy had a great Saturday afternoon. The evening <laughs> was winding down. Give him a break.
0: <laughs> Be fair to fair play.
1: Indeed. Dude is a survivor. So
0: Right, he he probably did not win that show or else he wouldn't have be doing this. No. He He'd isn't. be at SurvivorCon or whatever. Yeah. With Ashley M. I Uh, I should also I mean, I don't know what legal law rules are for podcasts, but I probably am not allowed to suggest that Marty Gennetti stole whatever that stuff is.
1: <laughs> and I so, well I'm 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 all clear 'cause I said he did not steal anything.
0: Oh, that's yeah, I I will co-sign that, unless we get countersued by the man who made those allegations. Uh, we will not get is,
1: sued, because I did not allude to anything.
0: Perfect. Well, I mean, because I'm thinking of when Linda Hogan went on, like, Ram It in the Ring radio or whatever and said that Hulk and Bruce Beefcake were gay, and then that became the whole thing. But also got a whole lot of eyeballs to Ram It in the Ring radio, so maybe we should cast aspersions. What have you heard about Hulk I think, I think, I think, I Hulk think a
1: Hogan? better idea to getting... Um, to getting uh, attention is to change the name of this podcast to Ram It In The Ring Radio. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> That's fictionally copyrighted in a uh, story I just established. Um, things about Hogan that are libelous, that people... be mad. I heard when um, uh, Earthquake sat on him for all those finishes in 1990, that he got off on it. He liked to be <laughs> sat on by a large Canadian man. It was a weird gay thing that Hulk Hogan did. And uh so I don't know.
1: They like to fall
0: r- in your court. Well
1: <laughs> this has truly become <laughs> rabbit in the rain radio. Um, <laughs> what else? What else is going on? what else, um, what, else? what else, what else? So anyway, we were in, in this King room. Kong Bundy. We were in this room, we were waiting to get yeah, into Dragon yeah. Gate USA. And you know we were online, and there were these white doors in the lobby. Like
0: that, the um, no, go ahead.
1: Well, they led into the arena area, right? These these four or five white doors. And, this is Tom, and I, Tom and I decided that this that these white doors would be known as the ultimate gate. And we were waiting <laughs> for them to open the ultimate gate because that was the name of the show. And as such, they did open the ultimate gate, and um, the ultimate gate was apparently leads point? to a. Apparently it leads to a, like, dark, sweaty room with a <laughs> snack bar that <laughs> sells uh, pretzels and pizza. Uh, very, very dirty floors. Uh-huh.
0: In a sense, not that ultimate. I don't I mean, I'm sorry to say it. Mm-hmm. If I had an ultimate gate, maybe more consequences behind it. Unless... Oh, what if consequences... Wait, 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 wait. What if consequences Creed was
1: behind the ultimate gate?
0: <laughs> then, now we're talking. Yeah. Wow,
1: so did you get any of that food? I did this not. Know. I, uh-huh. I, I, did I not. had a bottle of water. But That's the deep. thing is, he, he ate the bottle itself, so it became. Oh. A food.
0: Don't you think that food was for the boys?
1: Well, it was. I mean, you could pay for it, and it was. It was a snack bar. So. Um, <laughs> okay, so no. So I, no. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm a boy. <laughs> well, hard no on that one. Well, great joke by me. Um, uh, Hogan gay stuff. I. Um, I heard that um, Kamala would turn him over <laughs> and he would have him the wrong way. Is <laughs> the thing I heard about Hulk Hogan being gay <laughs> with 80s WWE superstars. And, oh, you got... Okay, this one is a real story. Hold up. Like, I'm kind of plugged in now that I've worked on the... I've worked, I've worked with Meltzer for nigh on 10 years, off and on. <laughs> we have a very collaborative relationship. Did you know that Hulk Hogan... And Pat Patterson worked extensively on setting up the finishes of his matches and things like that.
1: I did know that. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) it's all out there. Dragon Gate
0: USA, America. You were in the uh, Dragon Gate Ellis Island waiting to get in. Take me there and enter that gate, and then what happened?
1: A whole bunch of flips? Well, the first potential flip was when I almost flipped by tripping over the big light fixture that they had there. And I just, ima- I just imagined this it would be a very fitting way to begin the show if I completely knocked over the very expensive light and ruined the whole <laughs> WrestleCon <laughs> event. But alas, it did not happen. I merely, you know, played it off like I didn't trip and then just walked over to a seat. Um, Brett but- Maddox... But I did see Brian Kendrick in the bathroom, so that was cool. He wasn't peeing, and he had his pants on. Unfortunately, I <laughs> say <laughs> they were pants, they were wrestling trunks. And he was was he
0: going um, slice bread number one? <laughs> <laughs> slice bread number two.
1: So quick, Justin! You're so quick, um, guys. I've come a long way in a year. Yeah, I um, I do not know. I mean, I assume one because 90% of the time – I'm sure that percentage is wrong. But most of the time when you're in the bathroom, <laughs> it's number one. <laughs> um,
0: but if it's number two, it's also number one.
1: That's true. you write right. It's, true. it's number three, right? One, two, or three? Uh, I, I, yeah. Um, I, I'm just going to guess that he was peeing mm-hmm. or just washing <laughs> his hands. Sometimes you do that, uh, Justin. Sometimes you just got to wash
0: your hands. That's what Prince Nana did. Have right? you ever
1: just had to, like, wipe your butt? Like, not – you know, without having to go to the poop? It's happened. Let's move on.
0: Listen, there's a level of decorum for this non-existent show. This show that, and, uh, in, which in
1: which you're clearly slandering lots of people.
0: Yes, it's out there that Brian Kendrick pees, so we'll hear from whatever the TNA equivalent of McDevitt is. Okay, so, anyway. Like Barry McDevitt, his ne'er-do-well <laughs> son. A shitty version, comes into court, briefcase pops open and all the papers fall out. Oh no. Barry McDivitt will never win this suit. So, yeah, I don't know what Dragon Gate is, guys, so <laughs> with the championship on the line? Did I, were there any high-end uh, belts? Thomas? What was the main main uh, main attraction? Any dream matches? Tom, I'm I'll giving you the office shoot. here. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs>
2: John Davis's entrance, I will say, was a highlight.
0: As a person who I know who that is and what that is, <laughs> <But> <laughs> wow!
2: Off the rails.
0: This is, uh, no, no, if I okay, if I were to type in some words to Google.com to find out which show this was and what happened on it, I would say April seventh, g u s All
1: right. Justin, uh, I'm going okay. I'm, I'm to give you the skinny. I'm going to give you the, the, deep, the down low. I'm going to give you the up high. I want two things. The long of it and the short of it. I'm going I'm to ram it in the ring for you. Uh, <laughs>
0: so, ram it in the ring. Radio. Ding, ding, ding. Is how I'd imagine that going. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. All right. So T- Dragon Drag Gate USA is an American pro wrestling independent company. It's affiliated with Dragon Gate which is a Japanese professional wrestling company. It is booked booked by the former brains behind Ring of Honor, Gabe Sapolsky, and it involves a lot of the top talent on the American independent scene, as well as many Dragon Gate performers. Um, So the big big, uh, star, as far as American guys go, is Johnny Gargano. He is the world champion. The main event was... Johnny Gargano versus Shingo. Shingo, big deal in Japan in Dragon Gate, and also um, made a name for himself in ROH in uh, 2006, 2007. And he was also on the very early DGUSA shows. He wrestled big matches against Brian Danielson, against Davey Richards, great matches. And he hasn't been around in DGUSA much for for a few years. So this was like a big return for him, wrestling for the title against Johnny Gargano. So that was the big main event. The uh, the other semi main was the tag team title match, in which Seema and uh, who's you know one of Dragon gets all time biggest stars, like probably like their all time legend, uh, and his tag team partner Ar Fox, who's American, against the Young Bucks. Uh, We all know the Young Bucks; they're um, part of the Me Generation. They uh, they batted handshakes. Yes, and they and they love Pepsi, and. The same. <laughs>
0: oh. No way. That's, That's a follow up on your joke. I get it.
1: Yes. And um, they were challenging for the tag titles. Then, now, how uh, they, long have they? Because they
0: have been around for a while. They should just be Bucks at this point, shouldn't they? Yeah,
1: they're just um, re- regular aged Bucks. But, you know, Heartbreak Kid, all that stuff. So, might as well. Um, other major draws on this show. Well, the main one is. Um,
0: Darren Drawsdough.
1: Tosawa, who is a um, you know, great Dragon Gate guy who also has been over in America, had a lot of good matches in PWG against uh, Ricochet, who's also a very popular uh American indie wrestler. Uh friend
0: of the show that I'm the friend of the show of. Dr. Keith Thank presents right. presents the Not the Justin Shapiro show.
1: Right? Probably a lot of guys are a friend of that show. Oh. Uh, um, <laughs> I can't wait then, to
0: hear about that.
1: And Dragon Gate generally specializes in just, you know, a very high-flying Innovative type of matches. What I, and I haven't I haven't seen a lot of Dragon Gate USA. I saw a couple of the early main events, the uh, Danielson Shingo match, Danielson against uh, Naruki Doi, who was not on this show. Um, but from what I've been told, actually uh, a guy who's sitting next to me, a uh, very nice guy, told me was who follows it more closely than I do. That Dragon Gate often has a lot of good action in the ring and a lot of good, um, you know, good pretty good storylines. But usually the crowds are pretty dead, um, or or if not dead, you know, just not the most reactive crowds. That was definitely not the case on this night. It was um really hot crowd. They were they were up for almost everything. Um made the show a lot more exciting. And it really gave it kind of a um like a prime time era Ring of Honor vibe, like two thousand five ish. You know, just the styles of the matches, the way the crowd reacted. So it so that really enhanced the show. And I overall it was Pretty awesome. The, a lot of really good high-flying matches. There was a six-way. Um, uh, I'm not going to bother looking up the participants, but Jigsaw was in it, Chuck Taylor. Um, Tony Nese was the winner. Um, you know, just It was like the old uh, scramble matches from ROH, just a lot of innovative action, really exciting stuff. Um, the highlight match for me, and I think it seems most people, was pa- was uh, Ricochet versus uh, Tosawa. Um yep. and there was there was just so there were just so many spots on the show that it kind of runs together a little bit to the point where I can't really say what the finishes were. I know very early in that match Ricochet did this crazy backflip backflip like I don't know if it was a shooting star press or what it was. Like just pretty much right off the bat got the crowd going insane. That was before intermission. And then um the other highlight was the main event, Johnny Gargano versus Shingo. And the crowd was completely exhausted by the time it started. Um, and so it was kind of quiet for about 15 minutes. Then suddenly they, they did a bunch of brawling on the outside. They got back in the ring, went to their near falls and they did so many near falls. It was like, it was like rock versus Cena. only they did other moves and, <laughs> and the crowd was just, the crowd was just going completely insane. I, I, it was probably more than a, almost any match I've seen as far as reacting to near falls and just building and building and building. Then it finally ended with this, this heel turn where Johnny Gargano got desperate. So he took out, I don't know if it was a shoelace or a string and he choked out Shingo with it after a ref bump. And it kind of deflated the crowd a little bit because, you know, it's like, maybe it's a good storyline. I haven't really followed it well enough, but just in terms of like that, you know, just in that moment, aesthetically it, not what you wanted out of a match that was so awesome but it was still a great match um and then there's just lots of really good stuff up and down the show there was a fun like kind of semi high spot fest semi comedy uh match with um uh, uh the super smash brothers against uh Seema's ultimate we- weapon and who was Seema's ultimate weapon's partner um Tomahawk TT was Seema's secret weapon and and Ata was the uh, was the other guy and it was again it was against super smash brothers um, and that was awesome. The other tag team title match, Seaman Foss against against um, Young Bucks was awesome. Bucks, and then yeah. there was a, ve- a very interesting match with uh, the John Davis that Tom was speaking of, <laughs> who uh, basically what Tom was saying was he his entrance is that he comes out very, very slowly to the point where it took me about, let's say, two minutes to figure out that there was anyone even coming out. And he was already like on <laughs> our side of the ring. And I, and I was like, oh, it's that guy. And it was kind of like Mark Henry's entrance, only slower And, like, he spent a lot of time staring at people. And he ended up wrestling Trent Beretta. um,
2: This is is Trent. (laughs) That's
1: what I was going to say. His name was This Is Trent. And, Philly, you're a bigger Trent Beretta connoisseur than I am, so why don't you describe what Trent Beretta's performance was (laughs) in this match? It
2: was... I was pretty much focused on uh, texting Justin, here's Trent, here's Trent, as a takeoff of all that of Trent stuff. And, like, it really wasn't... Like, it seems to be most like a Don Davis, you know, um, dominated match. Like, turned out I don't got the show much. Uh, cause I, I guess he was a late, cause when we got in, they were like, the, uh, the audio wasn't too hot over the, uh, the last speaker. So, they were just like, so, uh, we was like, uh, Trent Beretta I was like, and Matt was like, why did they say Trent Beretta's name? I guess it turned out that he was like a late injury replacement for, uh, Samurai Del Solo in this match. So he didn't really do much. Like, I just remember, like, John Davis trying to, like, do heel stuff to get over and not really, like, working. I think he kind of lost the crowd with that entrance. And then hmm. the terrible, terrible, terrible finish where it was just the, uh like, John Davis is beating up Trent in the corner, you know, five count. Oh, he's not going to break. That's it. That's the match. You know, that's the match. So I like to think that Trent Beretta didn't want to do the job on some indie show. but
0: When he came out, did they say... Weighing in at 171 pounds from, literally no one knows, Trent Beretta. Nope, they said,
1: this is Trent. That's <laughs> his name.
2: And then we were like, oh, his name is Trent. And then they were, uh, later on, they were, you're, and they were like, you're just going by Trent. And then later on, they were you're a winner by disqualification. This is Trent. And then I was like, oh, his name is, this is Trent.
0: Okay. Let me, oh, oh, Matt, do you have anything to say about a gentleman who
1: I don't know? Could be a bird, could
0: be a person, seems like a wrestler. What can you tell me about Rich Swann?
1: Oh, well, Rich Swann uh, came out singing All Night Long by Lionel Richie. And I actually got a preview of this entrance because the, the nice young man sitting next to me explained to me that he was in the bathroom. But he was telling me that he overheard Rich Swann sit- rehearsing All Night Long and then he stopped <laughs> singing along with him, and they kind of played off each other. And then the show opened to the sweet sounds of All Night Long, and, and Rich Swann came out. And he was like, see, I told you. I told you All Night Long. So it was a very exciting moment for all of us. And um, he had a very good little <coughs> excuse me, opening match between himself and Brian Kendrick.
0: That was a real cough, right, not a sarcastic cough that belies
1: the opposite. <laughs> so it was a very nice opening match. And, and I do want to um, just mention, like, this was a really freaking good show. I, uh, I, it's probably the top to bottom, the best wrestling show I've been to in a very long time, a few years. And
0: um, ben, I'm really happy TLC? I was there. I, and I
1: really hope, actually, Dave Meltzer gets around to, write, to watching it and writing about it because I feel yeah, like that – will cause that will allow it to not be slept on because you know it was so overshadowed by ring of honor and wrestlemania and to a lesser extent new japan even though new japan was apparently uh, like the most amazing show ever and it seems like isn't it weird how new japan suddenly has the most amazing show ever like every two months now
0: yeah um now uh as far as the stars of stage sound sound stages this industry not just the, the wrestlers were the talent on hand, am I correct? Did you run into any luminaries? Were there any luminaries that you fraternized with luminarily?
1: Well, Tom, if I may, um, let me tell you a little you story. You may. Uh, in October of ni- of ni- of 2005, excuse me, hmm. um, I was in the midst of a love affair with a promotion called Ring of Honor, <laughs> and um, I think the a character on uh, Game of Thrones also, and... During that love affair, I met some people that I had talked to online in various points during my youth, and one of these people was known as Joe Gagné, Mm -hmm. and um, he lives in Massachusetts, and I live in New York, and a good half – Natural rivals. Yes, and a good midway point between those two places was Connecticut. So there was a Ring of Honor show in October of 2005 in Connecticut. Uh, which featured the very first uh, major Brian Danielson versus Roderick Strong world title match. And Joe and I decided to meet up there, and we hung out like bros. We broed out <laughs> at the ROH show. And, bros versus the world. Yep. And there we forged the, a bond that would last, low those two years. And um, we decided about seven and a half years later that it would all begin again. So <laughs> so we so we decided to meet up at uh, Dragon Gate USA and as it turned out Tom and I were lucky enough to enjoy the entire show sitting next to Joe Gagne – uh jo- <laughs> what's that Joe Gagne later
0: confirmed to be incorrect <laughs> Joe, Joe
1: Gagne <laughs> and it was Did you clear that up about the name this year? <laughs> and it was awesome. So um Tom may uh may expound upon that.
0: Joe was Peered, you're probably equally notorious guests in the history of JWV. No, JVTW.
2: <laughs> For different reasons.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, both experts in your field. What can you tell me, please?
2: Well, at the 1995 Survivor Series, Squash was also a Thanksgiving <laughs> tradition.
0: <laughs> um,
2: yeah, Joe is a pretty great guy with a shirt with his name on it. Uh, he, when when uh, Matt was texting back and forth with him, he was just like I'm going to have a shirt with my name on it. I was really hoping it would just say Joe Agni here, but instead of like the Joe, <laughs> you know Joe Gagne fun time wrestling arcade available now, maybe. Um
0: as a uh, seat compatriot. A, an adjacent person to you at a wrestling event. How does he compare to a Justin Shapiro with no sleep and incredibly low blood sugar?
1: Well, um, I mean, he, he had higher blood sugar. I'll give him that. Um, Notorious, but he, junk food. Guy. He was also quite tired having seen many, many hours of wrestling that day. <laughs> um, but he was a trooper. Just, uh, just like another man that we uh, ran into that same. There is a, Picture circulating
0: on the internet in some quarters
1: it's created a lot of buzz.
0: Can you tell me the story behind that picture? Well, well, me- not so much the taking thereof because that's a pretty simple story, I'd imagine. But what, what led up to?
2: story <laughs> With a <the> phone. iPhone. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yes. Four or five.
1: Five. Hmm. Fancy. Uh, it, it has a much better camera than the four true.
0: Yeah, a lot of buzz. This is one of those uh, rare good Matt pictures, so I've heard, and he's very pleased with it.
1: What allowed it to happen? Well, uh, uh, Joe had told me that Alan was going to be there, and I was like, well, at, inter- really? at intermission, you really need to... Alan Cunahan, Alan, um... Alan L O L. Alan Alda. And- <laughs> Alan for Alda. <laughs> and, um... You know I love Mash, but don't sleep on his performance and, and the band played on the HBO movie <laughs> about oh, the uh, the, the birth of AIDS. Um, but anyway, um, oh, also of course, um, bullets over Broadway, duh. But anyway, so I said Alan, so I said to Joe, you need to introduce me to him at intermission. And luckily for me, Alan actually came over before intermission. <gasps> And and I was extre- and he was extremely excited already about the Super Smash Brothers match, and I was very excited by how excited he was because that that was a rubber stamp that I was seeing a, a good show, and he would he would come back and forth to us um, to check in after certain matches, and I and I always felt like um, it was almost like. If if anybody's watched the WCW pay-per-views from, like, 91, 92, where they would have uh, Jesse and Jim Ross as the announcers, but they would cut away to, like, your hosts, Tony, Schiavone and Eric Bischoff to kind of, you know, talk a little (laughs) bit about the events. So it actually felt like that. Every time Alan checked in, I'd be like, oh, we're cutting away to Tony and Eric to (laughs) give us an update about what's really going on. And so that was fun. And also fun was during the big high spots looking over at Alan and seeing him (laughs) going nuts and then him looking back at us to be like, did you see that? I think he's mostly looking at Joe, but, but I I you know, I, I took a little in also. And um so it was good because like you know, it was fun meeting him. He's a, probably the world's nicest person. Uh and and it made me realize, okay, I'm definitely at a good show because Alan is having a flip out.
0: Ah. When the King yawns one time the symphony is a bust, but when he jumps up and pumps his fist is the modern-day incarnate of probably Meltzer in that Flair Steamboat gif, then you know you've made it. Wow. A journalist is supposed to confirm with multiple sources. Is there? Did you get a quote from Alan on the Tozawa versus Ricochet match, perchance? Did he weigh in on that?
2: Um. Can you read it directly? The quote is, and this is the first time meeting Alan. He was, mm-hmm. he was like, he lived a little high, pretty much. He, like Matt said, like, he came over, introduced himself to Matt, was, like, super excited, and I was waiting for him, like, to take a of breath while he was talking so I could introduce myself, <laughs> and then he just went, to that over to Ricochet, fuck's sake, and then ran back to his seat. <laughs> and oh.
1: No,
0: well,
2: well
1: I, I think I, I, I introduce think, myself later. I, th- I think he thought it was intermission, and then. And he was like, oh, that last match was awesome. Like, he's like, my girlfriend is such a trooper for for being with me of all well, this. And like, does she like wrestling at all? And she's like, yeah, she loved that last match. That was after the Super Smash Brothers match. And he was like, on such a high after that. And then he just, and then I'm like, and then I kind of like point and I was like, hey, look. And he's like, he turns around and he's like, oh, fuck, Kazao versus Ricochet or something like that. And he got all excited and ran back to his team. versus Ricochet? Seat. For fuck's sake. Oh, for fuck's sake.
2: There you go. So. Alan, during the high spots, I, this is what I remarked to Joe, was so exciting that I. Like, he's just so, like, exuberant and just, like, so interesting. Say, just amazing man. Uh, I had the idea, I pitched to Joe, that we should put together a video podcast that just follows Alan around at, like, wrestling events or just <laughs> things in his everyday life and just, you know, record how excited he gets to absolutely everything and call it What's Watching Alan.
0: Oh, my God. If Alan was driving and hit, like, four consecutive green lights, I can't imagine. And as a man who's been in many fictional car trips with Alan Cunahan, haven't had the chance yet to experience that.
1: Um, Before before we move on, I just want to let Alan know if he's listening. I am not at all involved in this plan to stalk you with a camera. Let me get that out there. The Bradmatic Experience
0: type show, right? With Alan? Yeah. To the menches of this business? Well, what a brain trust. So sorry I couldn't be there. That's far away, though. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you talk so, about me so, behind my back? Yeah, absolutely. Or did
0: you shun me? Absolutely, okay. we did.
1: Uh, Joe was really oh, upset totally. that you weren't there, and I was like, huh. "Yeah, Justin's a real douchey douche." Because I like to talk in baby talk even when I curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so so we were mad, and you should have come, and that picture with us should have had you in it as well. Mm. But um. I I think that we devised a song that you sang in reference to that whole situation.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, in the key of F, because you penned it for me, and it goes, I'm staying home. I'm staying home. Tell Joe versus the world that I'm staying home. Let the rain wash away. Well, the rest of the words are just the same, <laughs> which is the last, last lyric of the song. So... <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's as you would say, really fuckety wuckity expensive <laughs> to, to drive to New York on top of uh, all that stuff. It is, you know, it is. I'm not on trial here. It is. It I will be after I hear from Terry Bollea's attorney or Marty but, or Marty Ginetti's. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Marty Ginetti represents himself. in court. <laughs> Even more slander. Mm-hmm, the Justin, jury is very
2: impressed by the tassels.
0: Justin, you are really digging this hole. He's represented by uh, Zeb Coulter wearing his Wrestlemania tie mm-hmm. for uh big... Wrestlemania, I almost plump forgot, you guys. New York, concrete jungle, wet dreams destroy you. Did you say wow.
1: did you say wet dreams? That's not it. Wet dreams destroy you? Hmm. Hmm. Well, gooey and all that. Wait, anyway. Hang on.
0: In New York, concrete jungle, <laughs> wet dreams destroy... That sounds right to me. Uh. <laughs> Enough parasites on this major company. I want to get to the real stuff. No more free rides from these other groups. Wrestling Mania. What it, it happened on Sunday. You guys went. Um. Yeah. Big stadium. You'd never. I suppose. I mean, had you been to even MetLife Stadium before for anything? Uh.
2: Yeah. Once for uh, Bruce Springsteen.
0: Oh yeah! Yeah. Well, I saw Bruce Springsteen in Pittsburgh last uh, October, and then he pulled a little girl out of the audience and had her sing, like, whole chorus verse chorus of Waiting on a Sunny Day, Yep. if that is in fact the title of the song. And it was like, she crushed it, but I just thought, like, how did he know? Like, it's not like that's... An incredible Springsteen song. Was it a work? Did he ask her off Mike? She knew all the works.
1: Well, he um, that's definitely been a thing. He does he he did that at, like every show for a while, where he would just call a kid off to do "Waiting on a Sunny Day." Um, but no, that show was good. That show was good, but it actually made me more nervous for WrestleMania because it there was a, there was a thunderstorm passing through. So I guess because of the the just the way the stadium was set up. It was kind of like a like a death trap I guess in a lightning storm.
0: A suicide rap?
1: Yeah, so so they made everyone evacuate the stadium uh until the lightning passed and they started the show at like ten thirty PM and he played until two AM but I was wondering if that same situation occurred for WrestleMania. They can't do that 'cause they have a they have like satellite time. So they couldn't push it back, so I don't know what they would have done in the case of a lightning or an electrical storm. But uh luckily that did not happen. It rained for maybe Fifteen minutes when the Miz was wrestling, um, and then stopped almost immediately thereafter for the for the pay per view to begin, and then never rained again. So we were lucky in that Statement. respect.
0: So the weather was like the film movie Forty Three, overcast.
1: Yeah, actually, it was. It was pretty. It was starting to clear up by the time. Just the sun. The sun went down, but as the sun started to go down, it was it was starting to clear it up. Know, so I think so. I think the sky was you know partly cloudy for most of the show.
2: Yeah, it's was like the first hour, I remember thinking, like, being very worried, like, you know, it was going to be colder, you know, it's going to be really miserable. But by the end of you know, the show, past, you know, past like about an hour into the pay per view, so it was, you know, fine. The so weather yeah, was, we wasn't a concern.
1: We were in the 200 levels, and, you know, I was wearing a heavy <laughs> jacket, and I wasn't, and I was completely comfortable the whole time. I'm glad you were comfortable. I was. Matt, I, I have a question.
2: What section were we in?
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, should I tell that story now, or should I hold on? Yes. Go for, yes. Go for yes. it. Yes. Okay, Justin, have you been have you been clued in on this at all? No. Okay. I no. assume it's really good. It's not it's a mystery story. It's not that good, but it was a fun experience. Um, <laughs> so we were sitting there waiting for the show to start for about about forty five minutes, and suddenly these two guys stumble down into the seats in front of us, and this guy's on his cell phone, and they're clearly very drunk. And they, they seem to be in their early 20s. And this guy turns around, and he's like, yo, what, what section are we in? And, and so his friend's like, what section are we in? And I'm like, 230A. And he says, 230A, into his phone. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. But about three more times before he hangs up the phone, he asks me what section we're in. And I say, 230A. And he's like, 230. And I'm like, A. And he's like, 230A. <laughs> so then his friend starts turning around and tells him, tells me, this guy who was on the phone and kept asking me is an idiot who lost his ticket at, from the time he entered the stadium to the time he got up to our level. He lost his ticket. So he snuck into our section. He didn't know what section he was supposed to be sitting in. Um, and his friend had a 300-level ticket. They were both drunk, but one of them was way more drunk. And the way more drunk one was like – he kept asking me if I could, he could borrow my ticket, and he promised he would get me a I was like, no, thank you. I don't want a beer. He's like, no, dude, I'll get you a beer. I'll get you a beer. And I'm like, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I, I really don't want a beer. And he's like, oh, bro, let me just give you a ticket because I guess he wanted my ticket. I don't know if he wanted to get more beer or if he wanted to find his friend so he could bring his friend over. But I was like, yeah. but I'm very scared of confrontation, so I just gave him my ticket. And then upon giving it to him, I, can, I immediately regretted doing that because I was worried I'd never uh-huh. get it back. So he went uh-huh. completely, seemingly, according to his friend, blackout drunk. And so his friend was sitting there telling you know, explaining the whole situation to me apologetically over and over again. Also drunk, but trying his best to be a good guy, and he was, he was a nice guy. And basically, you know, saying, you know, um so anyway, by the so by the time this guy got back, he was in the complete wrong section and we had to get the entire row to like yell over to him to get to his name. To, yeah, yelling his name, you getting the row to chance his name so he could see that we were calling to him. So eventually and
0: quickly, he, what is his first and last name? I, <laughs>
1: So, so I know it. but I'm not gonna. Yeah. So so he stumbled his way back over to us. He sat down. and I was like, okay, can I have my ticket back now? And his friend is like, yo, give the guy's ticket back. And he's like, and then he turns around to me like, yo, bro, let me just borrow your ticket for a minute. I just want to get my friend. And I'm like, I just gotta let him in. You know, I'm not gonna screw you, bro. And I'm like, oh, but can I have my ticket back? And he's like, and, it's, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, no, let me just, yeah, I just need it for a minute. I'm not gonna screw you, bro. And I'm like, oh, look like, what do you need? You need to get your friend in? And he's like. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll go do it. He's like, no, but I'm afraid you're going to screw me. And I'm like, how can I screw you? It's my own ticket. And, I don't know where the big fall in that one. Yeah, so um, so I'm like, yeah, how am I going to screw you? It's my own ticket. Um, You'd make friends with him
0: and steal his friends. Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, what, what I realized throughout this conversation is that ev- eventually is that he didn't even remember that he had my ticket. <laughs> so he went into my pocket and he was like, oh, boy, I, you gave me your ticket? And, it's like, and like, <laughs> then he tells his friend, like, no, you have it. And I'm like, what? And he's like, no, you. I gave, he gave it to you. So he gets into his pocket, and thank God he still had my ticket. And he was like, um, this is your ticket? I'm like, yeah, this is my ticket. He's like, all right, I'm not trying to screw you, bro. And I just took it back. <laughs> so that's established. So, so, so I got the ticket back. Then eventually he wanted to um, – he, he was trying to figure out how to get his friend in. Um, and so he um, – he asked me again for the I, ticket, or I'm his friend advice. asked me again for the ticket so he could go back out to get it. And I'm like, no, nah, it, was, it was way too hard for me to get the ticket back the first time, so I'm not going to do it. He's like, all right, man. So <laughs> luckily the person sitting next to me had, like, duplicates of his tickets, so we just gave the guy his duplicates, so he didn't have to worry about it. Um, and eventually his friend came in anyway without him and was, kind of, <laughs> and was seemingly mad at him for being such so annoying and drunk. Um, and kind of wasn't like playing his games, but he was. Uh, once the show started, the guy was being very obnoxious and yelling "faggot" at people. And oh. I don't know, probably not, probably no. not like people, but I guess people in the ring.
0: And hey the f- Matt. Yes. Gay people are people. They have the same rights as all
1: of us. That's true. And um, <laughs> oh, true. That sounded bad. He was yelling "faggot" at wrestlers as opposed to patrons. Uh, oh, okay. And so he, um, eventually um, the people who actually had those seats came, and those guys had to leave, so I don't know how the rest of their night went. But they, but that guy yeah. still, but he, they moved to a section not far from us, and I looked over, and about three-quarters of the way through the show, he was still up and conscious, so I was impressed by that <laughs> fact. Um, uh, other than that, uh, our fan uh, interaction Thank was you. non-noteworthy from that point on. Wow. <laughs> that,
2: I, I will say that guy was, A, super excited for The Undertaker, and also where they moved to was, like, the second to the left of it, and it was, like, the front row, like, because we were, like, not the 200 level, so, like, the second tier up, and it was the front row, so there in the front row, and there's, like, no glass or anything in front of them over the barrier, so when I saw those guys stumble over here, like, I read those articles about how, like, people fall over and die, and I was just like, oh, that's how that happens, like... <laughs>
1: But I, I will say that despite drunkness, his friend was very helpful uh, in yeah. not having – in, in not letting him steal my ticket. So I <laughs> am very, uh, very thankful to him.
0: What is his friend's first i name? I'll tell you off
2: air because <laughs> that it actually is a, like a somewhat funny story related to that. But oh, I'm cool. like...
0: Hmm. Well, I'm not going to say that was a Shaggy Dog story, <laughs> but um, it was – Barking the song, Boombastic. <laughs> so, um, I was expecting there to be like a big turn on the 238 plot point. I thought he was going to get confused, and it was like a New Yorker going, 230-A! And he would like end up in 230-EH question mark, or 238 instead of 230-A. So I'm super disappointed by the whole thing. Um, anyway, did anything else happen before the show started? Uh, no. What happened when the show started?
1: Well, pyro and Ballyhoo. there was not pyro at the beginning. Did you notice that there wasn't pyro at the beginning? Because it was very surprising to me, and I almost thought maybe like the wind, like this was a fire marshal, wouldn't let them do pyro. But then they ended up doing pyro for the entrances. So like that was the most pyro I'm told they'd ever spent on a show.
0: Truth fact.
1: But I, it, I mean, I guess it makes sense during like some of the post-match celebrations. But I'm really surprised that they didn't have Pyro at the beginning. Do you think that's like at the very least they do it for WrestleMania?
0: Neither Pyro nor Ballyhoo. That's true. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm. To be honest, though, a great deal of Ballyhoo. Michael Cole, I think, called it, like, the most extravagant, beautiful, exquisite pop culture event in the land we live in, or something like that. It's a near paraphrase. This is not one of Justin Shapiro's patented lies. It's at least, it's a, it's a paraphrase, if not an indirect quote. Um, Anything else about those drunk guys sitting next to you? You know who he sounds a lot like? You, Matt, you have an improv background and dipped into an instant fan favorite when the last time we spoke when it was recorded by my computer, uh, a beloved bus driver character <laughs> who liked wrestling the way things were. Yes. Do you how do you think that guy would have responded to the induction of Bruno San Martino into the WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame? we you have been for it? Really, that whole Hall of Fame class is probably right up his alley, just because it's a bunch of people who are not from today who fucking rule. Am I
1: wrong? Fucking Bruno used to have the bear hug. You know, used to, <laughs> he used to used to give the guys the suplex. You know, fucking MSG. They got they got Vince on the mic. You know, the the Grand Wizard. You know, and there, there was fucking Campeira and. Uh, Fucking strong man Ivan Putski with the with the flex in and he had he had the Polish hammer. So that, that that's pretty much his thoughts.
0: Okay, no follow <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask who else, but I think we have a good idea who else.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, we've Spiros gone- Spiros fucking Arion. <laughs> um, Matt,
0: guess number one. You were not impressed with the card as aligned you were not impressed with the uh build up on tv what were your expectations going to the show and what did
1: you want to get out of it i by the time the week rolled around i was really fucking excited i mean i've been you know just a huge WrestleMania mark since i was a kid and you know done retrospective shows about it and it's a big deal to me and i definitely was not impressed with the lineup i felt like they did not get the most out of their very good roster. And I know we've had discussions about the roster in the past couple of years about its lack of depth, but I think with The Shield and Antonio Cesaro and different guys, I think the depth is as good as it's been in several years, just in terms of talent. Um, in terms of star power, maybe not. But um, I just thought they could have gotten more out of it. I really thought that John Cena versus The Rock was, just showed a lack of imagination. And I guess... I guess maybe it's the biggest money match. Everyone seems to think so. It doesn't feel that way to me. I mean, I I I think I'm just wrong, but it just, I just, I just, and in the building, it felt the same way. It didn't really seem to have a lot of buzz. Clearly, (laughs) The Undertaker versus CM Punk, to me, was a bigger match. And I think that if they had kept the title with that match, like Taker versus Punk, you know, Streak versus Title Reign, I think Streak. Yeah, right, exactly. I think they would have, that would have been even bigger. And, I don't know. I, I don't know like what they would have done with Rock or Cena instead. A- at one point, I thought that the card that I was hoping for was Brock versus Undertaker, uh, Punk versus The Rock, the first time instead of at the Rumble, and uh, maybe like some sort of blow off with Cena and uh, and Ziggler. And uh, obviously, that wasn't going to happen. But as things stood, I think the card kind of lived up to how it looked on paper. It didn't kind of, it didn't overachieve. I don't think. And I don't know that it really underachieved either. I guess the only match you could say really... really With one under- glaring exception. Well, I was going to say the only match you could really say underachieved was Lesnar versus Triple H. But if you really think about it, Triple H is sort of the anti-Undertaker in terms of the track record in which <laughs> Undertaker will take a match that may not seem too special on paper. And in the past few years, he's made it special. And I guess most of the matches did seem special on paper, but there, were, there have been a bunch of matches that people had doubts about over the years. I think the, the, se- the second, the 2011 uh, version of Triple H vs. Undertaker, I don't think people expected it to be as good as it was. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the first Batista match, people didn't expect that to be as good as it was. I don't think people expected the Edge match to get as over as it did, even though WWE obviously didn't. They put in the main event spot. Um, and certainly this year, people didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Whereas Triple H, you know, he always has these big deal matches um, versus Jericho, versus uh, versus Booker T. I guess which wasn't as big of a deal of a match, but versus Batiste. It was for the world championship. Yes, but so was uh, Alberto Del Rio versus Jack Swagger. Um, <laughs>
0: uh, Randy Orton, I think, maybe his uh, biggest flop considered at this point. Yes, Randy Orton,
1: and then this one. And it's like Triple H does not, I mean, you know, nothing against him, but he doesn't seem to rise to the occasion at WrestleMania. And I think the big problem is that he's too slow. And as a babyface especially, he just doesn't have a lot of exciting offense. And I think nowadays it's all about having some sort of exciting offense. I mean, he has the pedigree, he has the sledgehammer, and the rest of his moves aren't really that exciting. And he works at a very methodical pace. That's why I think... He seems to work better as a heel. Most of his biggest disappointments were as a face. There was the Batista one that was as a heel, but I mean, that was at least like Batista wasn't that good at that point either. So that.
0: Literally, Batista's, I think, first match he'd ever worked as a babyface, and probably the first singles match he'd done that went longer than 20 minutes,
1: so. Right, exactly. So, I mean, to me, going in, I didn't really understand why people had such high hopes for Lesnar versus Triple H, except... Yeah, I was going to tell you, like,
0: I don't know, You mean, you're not quite so plugged into the mainframe as a mover and shaker like me, but I think the near consensus was that Hunter and Lesnar were going to have a great wild brawl, and
1: Undertaker Punk were going to, you know, maybe be a struggle. See, the Undertaker Punk thing really didn't make sense to me, because Punk is awesome. The Undertaker wrestles once a year. He has no reason not to go all out. And his WrestleMania matches are always awesome and meticulously booked. So it didn't make sense. And, and I think Tom, Tom said to me during the show after the match, I was like, why did people think that wasn't going to be great? And Tom was like, well, they, used, they wrestled before and it wasn't that good. And it's like, you know, not to criticize them, but when they wrestled before in like late 2009, they didn't try that hard. And I, and, and I, don't, and I don't mean that as a knock, but like they shouldn't try as hard at that point. They weren't the main event. Not just that point, yeah. that breaking point. Right, and, and the Hell in a the Cell, they weren't the main event. I think the Hell in a Cell match, they got like nine minutes. Um, it was the opener. Were they really going to do the same match as they would have done as like a major WrestleMania match? Obviously not, so I, it didn't make sense for me to go for them to go on that. Uh, also, Punk is a lot more over and established now than he was at that point. And
0: I think Punk, since he got his big push, now wrestles like large people as if he's their equal. Instead of, like, a beg-off heel, he fights them toe-to-toe. It's funny to see him, like, trade bombs with John Cena and things like that. And it, I mean, it's to all those guys' credit that they sell for him to that extent. Uh, and the companies that they want him to be, just like a fighter man instead of a weasel heel. Fighter man is a well-accepted <laughs> term for a certain style of work, is it not? But I think the reason it was for sure because ever since probably the um, – before the – Uh, WrestleMania 27 Triple H match and Undertaker had must have been shoulder surgery or rotator cuff surgery where uh, that's when Nexus buried him alive with a higher purpose that to this day we still can't conceive. That was the end of the Undertaker's full-time career and every WrestleMania since then it's been like oh boy guys I don't know real touch and go here on the Undertaker. He's uh as as far as I know in a full body cast it's January 30th. So uh he's got one arm. Um and honestly he does have one arm and I, I think he he did the last ride in that match twice and both times it's not like he got the full underpants lift, which is also another accurate term. And I think I think but, I think
1: one of his nostrils sealed shut. So I mean he's really not doing that well.
0: <laughs> but um yeah, I mean uh, I literally sent you a textual message uh, that said, "I um, will never doubt an Undertaker match again." Yeah. I
1: mean, so, sorry, Tom. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> no, 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 I'm just going to concur with that. I pretty much had the same thought, like as you said. It just sort of, well, this is the one. Like this, this is the one where it's like, okay, definitely, definitely, like anybody, pretty mm-hmm. much, it's like, all oh, the Undertaker match is going to be the match, you yep. really know? Yeah, they just know what to do. Yeah. And
0: and there's a certain magic to it because like. It seemed like all three of those matches people knew who was gonna win and it was a foregone conclusion. But it the most foregone conclusion was this one probably. I guess unless you accept like that it was maybe Undertaker's gonna retire and lose, but after the build up I don't think anyone expected him to lose here and it was the match that most people were, if not uh buying the near falls, at least happy enough to buy into them for fun, you know.
1: Yeah, and again and I think with the like you said about the magic to it, um, you know, if people were not expecting much out of this match, you could not tell from the crowd because the buzz started going as soon as like, CM Punk's face popped up on the screen that they were going to have that match mm-hmm. next, and the buzz that didn't get going for any other match. Those John Cena versus Rock videos that they kept showing 75 times, they did not get any reaction, and like I said, Punk's face, suddenly like this buzz got, got going – Punk's entrance with living color. Yeah, I mean like, that's probably the highlight of the show. Yeah, I mean, well, no, the match was, but well, up, the until match. It, up, up until that point, yeah, I mean, you know, I literally got goosebumps during that entrance. Like it was electric, and your know, Undertaker's entrance obviously is always amazing uh, at WrestleMania. So, I mean, to me, you know, as as you know, even if you say the show was lousy, and I could see that. Although, I, I don't think it was last. I think it was decent and overpriced. Um, just being there live for that match and that whole experience, that was worth 150 bucks easily. As a, as a huge like, wrestling fan and WWE fan, that, was, that experience was worth it because that was like a special match, and those Undertaker matches are always very special, and they always will be. And, um, I mean, I... Well... So, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I, um, I understand that as a WrestleMania... Could have been better, should have been better, and could easily better, and they be better, and they probably owe it to us to have a better wrestling show. Uh, I think with my expectations of what I've come to anticipate them doing with like celebrity stuff, the undercard, emphasis on the main matches, I didn't have like, crushing disappointment over the Daniel Bryan tag match only going six minutes, the way I might have when Rey Mysterio and Matt Hardy went five minutes, and I was like, this is unacceptable. Workers. Workers. And uh so, there was, like, 18 seconds with Daniel Bryan last year is an unacceptable
1: thing, but this year it was just like, yep, that's about what I expected. It was absolutely like, I think I've even said it to people, like, that match is going to get six minutes or seven minutes, so don't worry about it. Like, it doesn't matter what's going to, because it's not going to get any time anyway. I think I literally said that to you, Tom, like, at one point over the past few weeks.
2: The one thing I expected was, uh, I, like, I, like uh, to that point you were making, Justin, but I expected, you know, some there was some matches I actually, you know, went longer than I expected, and one of those was actually the Alberto Rio Jack Squadron match, which was the ATV at all on <laughs> the broadcast or
0: no sir, um, <laughs> they they went to the video with Alberto's impassioned speech in yeah. front of. Senorita, by the name of Liberty, or however that went, and uh, yeah. then it came back. They had they had just parked and were getting out, and then Michael Cole was like, "They call that the Patriot wagon, or something like that." And it's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Great name for something you'll never see again."
2: <laughs> yeah, because uh, the video was airing, and then it's just you know I see them like you know like in between like when the videos was airing, I was watching we were opposite the stage, so I was watching the stage, and you could always see you know them arranging you know living colors set up, or Triple H's stupid gate thing. Or, um...
0: Well, <laughs> I'll ask you, Matt. Okay, I thought the program was for between Swagger and Del Rio, not that you watched any of it, probably, was Big Dud. However, when Uncle Zebekai invoked my people, the Yiddish people, <laughs> as some of the wrong stuff with America, people who speak Yiddish, I was like, oh, no. Now you done done it.
1: Well, I actually, I have to say, and I was I, as... He was doing this rant, and he was talking with the different languages. I said to Tom, "I was like, please let him say that people were speaking Jewish." And, <laughs> and I, was, I was so happy when he said Yiddish. It, it just made me, it like, it made the whole angle worthwhile for me. Just, you know, just it just feels nice to be included. You know, of course, of course. I mean,
0: do you hear a lot of Yiddish in your day to day New York life?
1: I don't, but if I went to certain areas, I could certain parts mm-hmm. of Brooklyn. I suppose so. Yeah. I would hear
0: like, I mean, I hear from my
1: grandmother and that's it. She's just like,
0: yeah, you can go. My, my, my
1: mom has one phrase in Yiddish that she likes to misuse all the time. Let's have it. I'll try and it. I don't know it. how to pronounce it but it's like Strashanist Devonsen or something like that. Um, <laughs> something about bed bugs. I don't know. Basically, basically <laughs> means like, I, I think she, everyone tells me that she misuses it but I think she uses it in situations like, hey, don't don't cause problems. Like, Something mm-hmm. like that, like don't like when like usually something involving me. She's like, she was like, don't get him going. Like if it's something that I'm gonna argue about, I think that's how she mm-hmm. uses it. But I don't think that's the appropriate use of that term.
0: Fair enough. I only know a few things. I don't know. I only know them from the context she uses them in. So simgazint mm-hmm. seems to be a nice thing to say to people. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it means. It could be bad.
1: <laughs> uh- <laughs> it could be a bad thing that's nice to say to people.
0: <laughs> uh Ziggler, huge disappointment. Was that like the only thing in the match going on crowd wise?
2: Well, I was going to on
0: Dolph, yeah,
2: like that pretty much functioned at the bathroom break match. And my point was that, like, after Swagger came out without an entrance, I was like, okay, like, this is going to be the match that, like, you know, gets cut really, really badly. And mm-hmm. so it was like four or five minutes in, I was like, oh, this match is. Still going, so, and they actually got the crowd, I mean, the beginning of the crowd was just either, you know, people going in the bathroom or just, well, like, the we want a singular chance, but I'd say, like, after they started doing some of, like, the uh ankle lock arm bar reversal spots, like, they started to get the crowd, I uh, think, at least, like, halfway decently into it, at least where we were, would you agree
1: with that, Matt, or... Yeah, I mean like, they weren't they weren't dead for it. They were they, they didn't really have any passion for it, but they were like, Oh, this is fun wrestling action, so we'll yeah. pretend that we care.
2: Oh that's a, then got, like yeah. after you know the tap out and everything and it was do to you know, all right, we want Sigler, we want Sigler, we want Sigler, we want Sigler, but mm-hmm. because he had lost in the passion they had you know, earlier.
1: When yeah, the lights went out was, there,
2: was, there was just that, you know, audible like ah. Oh. Uh,
0: I wanted them to come back from their PSA for troops or floods or whatever, and have Ziggler in the ring bonking with the thing, but not not so... Yeah, that was a big letdown. Luckily, the uh, immediate turnaround happened right after that, but... Maybe there, I mean, there
2: was a... Go ahead. Maybe he figured he couldn't get the element of surprise with that giant ramp.
0: It's, <laughs> that's a very good point. He should have uh, commandeered the uh, ATV and zoomed down. There.
1: <laughs> How great would that visual be of him just, like, zooming down to the ring? Oh,
0: no, if the whole team was on there, like Biggie was striding it, and um, yeah, AJ Redshock on Dolph what, was behind with the case. Determined. Do you think?
2: Do you think Swagger got the idea by almost uh, for the ATV by almost being killed by Steve Austin's ATV like two years prior? This would be awesome. We can run over Ricardo Rodriguez.
0: Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. See, I was I remembered his ATV in the Sheriff days. I forgot that he brought it to his Hall of Fame and he brought it back to ref that match. It <laughs> could have been the same one. I mean, like, I bet the beautiful Titan bikes that the Disciples of uh, A rode are still somewhere in the warehouse and probably run well. A 97 DOA uh, chopper. That's a word for motorcycles, right? The chains model. Um, but yeah, I mean, Matt, again, don't know how plugged in you are to the buzz, but there is a big sentiment going to the show that Team Dolph may come out of it with all the belts, so when he, and then the psychology of him losing clean, and that match going before that, it's like, okay, this is happening, so big, big emotional letdown when he didn't.
1: Well, I, as soon as that, like, as soon as Dolph lost the tag team title match, I asked Tom, like, he can only cash in for the world title, right? And Tom was like, well... Technically, but they change shit all the time, so whatever they want, really. So at that point, I was like, hmm, what would be a cooler ending than Dolph Ziggler fucking with Cena's title win that he just won? (laughs) And I still say that would have been fucking amazing. And as as crazy as the crowd went on Raw, I think they would have gone just as nuts if that had happened at WrestleMania. And it would have been one of the most memorable moments ever. And I kind of wish they had done that. Only I obviously the difference is he didn't win Zena's title, so um, so that wasn't in their booking plans. But <laughs> I think that would have been a really good idea, and it kind of brings me to one of my biggest points about WrestleMania nowadays. Here we go, and it doesn't just and it doesn't just go toward like this one, although this one it was more glaring because a lot of the action wasn't that wasn't that memorable. But just WrestleMania in general for the past few years, it's that they don't have any surprises anymore, and. I've never mm-hmm. been one of these people that have been like, oh, it needs to be unpredictable, it needs to be swerved, blah, blah, blah. But at WrestleMania, they should at least sometimes have something really unexpected and like major that happens that kind of shakes things up and changes things, like some sort of angle. And they so rarely have angles at WrestleMania now. And I kind of get the idea. It's like you buy your pay-per-views for your wrestling matches, you watch Raw for the angles, which is fine in general. But I think older WrestleMania's... Had angles, you know. They had um, major events, turns, turns. They had uh, the whole like Savage and Elizabeth thing. I mean, and also back then, just a the title change alone was a huge deal. Ultimate Warrior beating Hulk Hogan—that alone was a huge angle. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, up until recently, they they had big stuff happen at WrestleMania. and Now they don't. I mean, think back, just like Owen Hart beating Bret Hart. Like that was on un- a very surprising, and it was a big deal, and. When was the last time they had something like something major and surprising happen at WrestleMania? I, I, that's an honest question. When was the last time? Because I can't think of it. I, Steve Austin turning heel. Like when? Like when was it? Um. Well, I mean, two of the
0: almost expected things to happen, and that's another thing is they they may not do like genuine surprises but they'll sometimes do the opposite thing but people a lot of people expected the money in the bank from dolph and a lot of people expected the randy orton turn and neither of them happened
1: i guess but that's more like smart fan um expect- oh you know i, I see what you, know, you mean you know it's like the like the stuff they don't telegraph you know they they didn't telegraph dolph winning the title they i guess they sort of telegraph randy orton turning but not really i mean I don't consider like, a non-event to be a good enough swerve. You know, oh, enough yeah, swear. no, no,
0: I didn't. I was actually um, agreeing with your point yeah. further, in that even the, the like, storyline shake-ups that people wanted to see didn't happen. Because it's funny, Dolph winning on Monday was amazing, uh, in front of the best possible, like, environment. But I think the environment on uh, at the pay-per-view would have been, you know, maybe not that loud, because just the sound is not going to be in an enclosed area of, like, homogenous people who want to see Dolph do it, but that's the kind of stuff that belongs on WrestleMania and the the WrestleMania moment machine. Um, Plus, I'm looking at old WrestleManias trying to find a surprise for you, and so far, no luck, but...
1: um, I I could name a couple of, like, at least, like, big angles that have happened, if if you want. but
0: No, What? well, yeah, I mean, I just see, like, they change a finish in a world title match, like Edge retains against Del Rio, people don't expect it, but that's not a new thing. Anyway, the argument for him winning on Monday, that I, I kind of bought when I didn't think about it, was they on Monday, it's like a, a big thing to shake up uh, the post-WrestleMania uh, hangover, and then his moment stands alone, is not overshadowed by WrestleMania, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense, but then when I thought on WrestleMania, there was nothing for it to get lost in the shuffle by except the Cena-Rock match, so they needed more just things to happen.
1: Right, especially when you don't have, like, the great wrestling lineup, like like a WrestleMania 19 where it's just like, boom, great match, boom, great match, boom, great match. So it's like... Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Colt Um. Anyway. it
0: going Kofi Kingston. Oh. So, um... We have different philosophies on who has the intellectual rights to boom, boom, boom. You know what I'll tell you they miss, Matt, is the money in the bank, because not only does it organize the uh, undercard guys and put them in a match that is guaranteed to get time and be quality, that was one new development that would come out of every show, is the guy who had the briefcase and was like, well, man, that guy's almost certainly going to be a world champion, and except when... No, every time of the WrestleManias, it was like a a guy rising, especially some of the real surprises. Like, I guess Punk both times was a big surprise. So uh, when that happens, it's like, so CM Punk is going to be the world champion? This is a newsworthy and interesting thing.
1: Absolutely. And just in general, the past few years, like the undercards have just been very bland they need to gimmick them up a little bit. Like the, uh, some of the older, better WrestleManias, like 17, for instance, you know, even in some of like, the less important matches, like the three way hardcore title match, you know, that was something different, you know, and fun. Then they had the, um, the McMahon versus McMahon. Like that was like the big soap opera match. Then they had the, the <laughs> then they had the, um, the, the TLC match. Then they had, there was a straight wrestling match with Benoit and Angle. They had the Gimmick Battle Royal, which, you know, for what it was, it's memorable. We, we all remember that. Um, Triple H versus The Undertaker was like that the big crowd brawl that they had. Um, you know, it's just like they, they, they had variety, and this time it's just like a bunch of forgettable undercard matches, and everything is just very basic. And, you know, I'm not saying everything has to be like this huge, like, stunt fest, but, you know, just throw some variety in there, because, like, the formula, man, it's absurd how predictable it's gotten since, especially since they got rid of money in the bank. Past three years,
0: and eight matches on a four-hour show. Um, all of the non-essential ones being less than ten minutes. You can do better than that if you just put the, the slightest uh, amount of thought into it.
1: Right. That, all that being said, it was so yeah. much fun to be there live. It was such a huge place, and you know, so shiny and like well produced, <laughs> and like the the nice the, the set was cool, and the sound was great, and. It just was amazing just looking out into this huge crowd. Like every time I looked out I was like like you know, halfway through the show I'd be like, Man, this crowd is fucking huge. And like just that, like the atmosphere alone, you know, made it a really fun event. And so mm-hmm. and I I don't think this was like a bad WrestleMania the way like, you know, a twenty seven would have been where it was just like that, like really didn't even really have a real main event or 29, or 25, I mean, where it had, like, a really dead main event that you might as well have gone home with. The main event in this one, it was solid. The, 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 I think my main criticism, criticism of it is it's, like, it seemed to be a contest between John Cena and The Rock to prove who had the fewest moves. And, <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's really a formula for having a memorable, like, rematch, but let's take you. I really think,
0: I think their goal was, like, to repeatedly trick people into thinking for sure it was the finish, and like they had a lot of good ideas, they may have gone like one or two cycles too many on them.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what like what they could have done. To well, did like... you
0: remember last year's match and know they were crossing up the spots from that match? Yeah, I did. I mean, we we talked.
1: Tom and I actually talked about it before we yeah, started. We,
2: we remembered um, Cena injuring yeah. Rock and in the Sicilian twice or whatever. Which I guess they did call back to by the Rock getting injured again. And, um, the, which uh, we brought up was like, only because Cena mentioned it in the promo, or well, was it the week before or two weeks before. The, uh, like, you know, going to the people's elbow that immediately leaned to the pin. So, mm-hmm. like, I think the two spots I pulled up for that were excellent. The one where the Rock almost got pinned for doing the five knuckle shuffle, and then, of course, the one where uh, they pretty much repeated the, uh, WrestleMania finish again, except this time, like, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the um, <laughs> Maybe
0: that will become the new story instead of how on deathbed Undertaker is before WrestleMania, it'll be like how much rock is melting from the match at WrestleMania. <laughs> what level of like uh septic shutdown his body is. <laughs> uh, 'cause he has a long way to go. And I mean Brock is the guy to do it if someone is gonna break the uh break the rock. Um so, I mean, this is anecdotal, and you were two guys in one spot of a large stadium, but the um, two-part question, divided by
1: letters, part A, was it, did it seem
0: – well, actually, you, neither of you have watched it, the pay-per-view broadcast again, have you? No, I,
1: I, I found a YouTube video of Punk versus Undertaker, but that's all I've seen.
0: Okay, well then you have no really frame of reference, but it did, based on what other people said, did it seem uh, louder at times than most people watching TV seem to indicate, where just you know sound was going up, or was it mostly uh, flat for a lot of stuff?
1: Well, uh, I guess I'll start. Um, I yeah. thought that the crowd was not great. I thought it was not terrible, except for during the Triple H versus Lesnar match, but that match was, to be fair, very boring. <laughs> Um, I thought this, I, you know, I was worried actually when I read, because I was, I I checked in a couple of times on my phone during the show about Dave Meltzer's updates, where he said the crowd seemed very dead. And I I definitely thought during the Shield match, the crowd did not seem dead to me. Like, they weren't super hot, but it seemed fine. And, um, I actually thought that was probably the most underrated match of the night, because I thought that was a a genuinely good match, and a lot of people seemed to think it was just, you know, meh. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I think it seemed like... It translated pretty well. I mean, how did the Undertaker versus Punk match sound to you um, on TV? Did it sound like it was a really hot crowd, or just like decently into it?
0: Nope, very loud to the point where it sort of invalidated the idea that the sound just wasn't coming through on other important stuff. Right.
1: So I think, and I think that was the only match that really did have a loud crowd. I mean, the the last that and the last three minutes of the Triple H oh. match, people
0: actually bought into that arm thing
1: and also the ending of the main event i thought people got it yeah, yeah.
0: mhm once they got full special <laughs> unlimited finishers game genie right
1: yeah i thought i thought other than the opener it seems like the the way people saw it on tv was pretty much exactly how i saw it in the building got it got yeah. it
0: okay and then psychologically again you're just two men do you feel like Buffers would have helped you and others get more into the last two matches, or do you think they, um, especially the Hunter match and then the beginning of the Cena Rock match, weren't clicking on their own merits?
2: I I don't think buffers. Like I mean personally, I don't think the buffers were like the problems were sort of the matches themselves. Like I, I think the fact that it came after Undertaker versus Punk was enough. You know, buffers or not, I mean. But mm-hmm. like the Brock Triple H singer, that wasn't going to get any better otherwise. And, and, and personally, I forget who was making it. I don't know if it was you, Matt, that the comment. I guess it must have been you or if I overheard. Just like Triple H is stupid, goofy, uh, whatever that was. It's like so hard to take him seriously when he kind of does that. Right. It, it,
1: automatic, villain, it automatically but, heal, it automatically heals him, at least to me, like that he would be coming out and just like that stupid skull thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so like, you you know what, like, it automatically
1: heals <laughs> The Undertaker? An urn? the urn. urn.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah high five yeah, high five. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. yeah then... Well,
0: I mean, did you see him get sprayed by a chemical substance?
1: I I didn't, but like I saw like he had shiny stuff on him as he was walking down <laughs> to the ring, and I was like, I thought I thought that was just like an intentional like thing that he did for effect, like it was.
0: Yeah, like he's the abominable snowman <laughs> yeah. or something. Because he has done like
1: he has done weird stuff like that
0: before. <laughs> yes. <know>. Yes. <laughs> And then, so that's why it was weird, clearly, like, we know from the matches that were cut, R.I.P., Bella, uh, School Bell's match, and, um, you know, the timing of the show, they were crunched on time, and they knew they were in a pickle, I wonder if they had, like, big helicopter stuff planned for a scene in The Rock, because the, the, uh, you know, they do the last, uh, interlude, and then just, if you smell, and Rock walks down the ramp, it was very, uh, Student in opposition to the last as many WrestleManias as I can remember, especially for Cena who always does something wacky. Yeah,
1: I'm. What did Cena? But Cena didn't, what did Cena do last year? I don't really. Remember. I guess they just had the, the singers uh, come out and sing for them at the beginning. Oh
2: uh, yeah, Florida and and uh, Invincible
1: Guy. Yeah, he had the choir before that. Army and then, Men, yeah.
0: Cena Clone Army, Car.
1: They should have had living color. Just what they should have had living color come out and just like play through <laughs> all the songs. Yeah, play all their songs. <laughs>
0: Yeah, what did he do at twenty five? He come out of a giant. Uh, no, twenty four oil. Oh, like
1: no, twenty five is when they had all the the lookalikes. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, well, wasn't, wasn't a with, was was like a car. That was twenty three in Detroit. Twenty three yep. in Detroit, yeah. and
0: then twenty four was the marching band. Now Undertaker's entrance very scary. Did you see the creatures of the night trying to drag him back to the abyss from whence he came? I did see that, and I thought it was awesome. Yes. Scary. I wonder which uh, CM Punk of today was playing one of the Undertaker's minions the way <laughs> Punk was at WrestleMania 22. And so this was all
2: filing stuff?
0: Yeah, no, it was Johnny Gargano, I think. <laughs> um, Jeez, what, well, what else, what else, what else, what else, we'll well, what, what else? talk about some You
1: know what I'm saying? You know what I mean?
0: No, um, hang on. The, I wrote down a, a segue uh, like 20 minutes ago when you said you were a huge WrestleMania mark. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of huge WrestleMania marks, The Undertaker, the world's Mark strongest Henry. man. <laughs> you could have gone two directions with that. I know. I had a long time to think it
1: over, and that's what I've committed to. Do you have anything to say about that match? Yes, it, it happened. I, 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 <laughs> Wait, I, know, I know I've overwhelmed this, so Tom, do Tom, it, do it, do it. Tom, let me just tell you. Um, so during this match, Tom tells me, I think they've spent the past year burying Zack Ryder just so that the crowd would not chant, we want Ryder during this match. And then, not ten seconds later in the section over from us, we heard about ten guys chanting, we want Ryder. And <laughs> was the highlight of the first hour and a half of the show easily. Yeah, the, two th- the three things I had to do were, one was that, two
2: was in a similar vein right before that, where someone yelled, come on, Mark, do another bear hug, sarcastically, and then Mark Henry immediately did another bear hug. And then... <laughs> The third thing was, I liked Ryback's big WrestleMania moment of swinging his arms and finally having some fire actually go off. He's
0: just been trying to conjure it this whole time. Yeah, he's He's been able to get the noise. like this, huh? He's been able to get the noise Uh, to happen, but... Um, Fandango, little did you know. (laughs) Do you have anything to say about that, though, the night it happened?
2: Well, I, we brought like I believe I said this to uh, like it was funny. I got I a text
0: the... from Matt being like, "Tom loves Fandango." <laughs> oh yeah,
2: get it. do it. D- did they show? I know I sent you this picture. Did they show it all? Like the the picture he had, like they have the uh on the big screens, like each the individual graphics, like you know, versus CM Punk on the like oh, like CM Punk versus The Undertaker. They have Chris Delco versus Fandango, and Fandango had the. Picture of him holding a rose to his face that was absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if they showed that in the buffer going up to the match or whatever. Um,
0: I don't much remember. I will double check for you, and then it will not be reported on the show.
2: <laughs> I was just, I, like that was the first match where they actually, like brought out like the big entrances and like the pyrotechnics and everything. And then I mean, obviously, Fandango's angle with all the dancers. So it was like since that was the first one, there was actually like when it started a little bit of you know. I was, like, worried how I was going to get over and everything, and the Fananga had the big entrance, and Jericho's entrance was, like, just awesome, I and he was the person with the fireworks. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking, I was like, wow, this actually feels like, you know, a big match now.
0: Um, and it well, I knew going in that the two mid car matches that we're not gonna get the core versus Santino, Kane, Kofi and Big Show treatment was uh the Shield match and the Fandango match because somehow, for some wonderful reason, those are the two big projects, the Shield <laughs> and Fandango. And heavens knows I was right.
2: But um as far as the match goes, and we we're, we're talking about this uh you know, with this and the Biggie Langston match. Like the whole thing with newcomers it's difficult to WrestleMania is you know, their moves are not over at all. Like, Pandango okay, everyone pretty much knew, like, the top rope leg drop. I wouldn't even know him, the setup to that, which you said was, like, the dip into the downward spiral, which I think was only mentioned on, like, one of the Dr. Keith shows, something like that. <laughs> That's the only reason I knew that was a move. Uh, he right. didn't bust out much of his Donnie Curtis offense. I would have marked out for a Falcon Arrow or something. But, um hmm. yeah, I like, I was kind of, I mean, obviously with everything that happened the next day, it was just sort of all moot, but, uh. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I that know. Changed like, the narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like expecting because I was under the impression, like you know, at least with the way Dave and Brian were talking about it, that it was like okay, Jericho is going to be like gone after you know WrestleMania, so I thought mm-hmm. this was going to be you know something to kind of put you know Fandango on the map, you know, like a strong heel win everything, but instead it was just sort of like a sneaky you know um, small package. <laughs> yeah, That's it. yeah, and um, it kind of brought me back to about um. I believe Alan said this about, like, the CM Punk versus the Rock match that he was disappointed in because he wanted to see the Rock work more of, like, a CM Punk style match for them to, like, come up with something different. But instead it was a CM Punk inserted into a Rock match. And it really felt like with that match, you know, like, unlike, you know, the strong heel win or whatever they expected, it was mostly just, like, Chris Jericho dominated match. I thought it was just a Chris Jericho match. It was good for what it was, but. You know, I was sort of, like, like also said, he came off, you know, he didn't bomb or anything, but he didn't really come off as, you know, okay, this is going to be, like, the next big guy. Which I don't, honestly really don't know if I, I expected, um, even though... <laughs>
0: right, even though Vince it, is high on him. Yeah, even
2: though I that... I thought and it was
0: also, good. Go
2: ahead. I was going to say, like, the build-up, I know we were talking, like, when they first reintroduced the character in the vignette, like, okay, why is he talking, like, Mango from Saturday Night Live? <laughs> this is going to be... I don't know what this is going to be, but I don't like it. Um, but he, like, he did a very good, you know, like, the character has come off, you know, a dancer secondary, at least some of the time, uh, scorecards aside. But, um, it's cop you know, he's a very interesting character, a killer. There's a lot of that still, like, like I texted you, the oily rapist Johnny Curtis character in there, like, with that, uh, mm-hmm. one segment with Natalia. So it was like, i got, i kind of gone from, like, a few weeks ahead, like, when a win at, um, the first coming out like, okay, Fandango versus Jericho apparently is on the books. I went from sort of like looking the most forward to CM Punk versus Undertaker actually, but most ironically looking forward to like Fandango versus Chris Jericho to most ironically looking forward to Fandango versus Chris Jericho and kind of also <laughs> uh-huh. legitimately most looking forward to Fandango versus Chris Jericho because my mm-hmm. expectations were on high for the Punk match um, and, well, not, not high, but just not expecting what we got and then I mean Triple H versus Brock. I also thought it was going to be like one of the better fight, um, matches on the card, but I pretty much hate everything
0: <laughs> Triple H does in front of boring. Um, <laughs> I should have known better. I got that clutch text from Matt in 2010 during WrestleMania 26. This show could also be called me reading old texts from Matt, <laughs> but during Hunter versus Sheamus, Matt goes like. WrestleMania history made, Triple H has satisfying match well-received by the crowd. he was right. <laughs> so, solution yeah. is he needs to just be a lot less ambitious, maybe. Well,
1: or wrestle The Undertaker. Oh, yes. Or Dog Or, yep, Chris Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Oh, yeah, how was that uh,
0: Crippler crossface? I mean, people have done it before. Yeah, but, it was weird to see that in The Rock. Well,
1: First we in. were talking about how, like, WWE has this weird fixation, like, we're going to get this move into our major <laughs> matches, and it's just going to happen, and I don't know why, but we're going to do it. Like, cause didn't they do that during the first Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels match, too? I think so. I remember, it
2: was, I remember Shawn Michaels did it on somebody. It was just sort of, okay, this is his move
1: now? But no, they, just like, to, they, they just like to work it in there. It's like some creepy illusion that they have, and somebody's <laughs> getting off on it backstage. Why <laughs> could...
2: Why couldn't he just break that broken out that weird figure four that he was using as a finisher for like a month or whatever that was? That did happen, right? I didn't dream that.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I remember he also at one point did an STF and somebody started chanting Chris Benoit by, by us and I was like, "Are you sure you didn't mean to chant Chono or uh, Eric Eric Watts?" Like I don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's. I mean, a, a
0: big conversation point came up with my friend's wife who. She's like, I thought it was the STFU And he said, well, it can't be the STFU anymore Because it's PG, so it's just the STF And she said, what does STF stand for? And he said, step over to all old face lock She said, then what did the U stand for? And he said, up And uh, they never really resolved it I think it's a big <laughs> issue in their marriage to this day So, much confusion there I don't know because, I mean, if it was just the STF now, then it would just be the shut the fuck. <laughs> and I don't think that's what they mean. So, I don't know what kind of nice man thing Cena could change the initials to. Say the friendly. Fuck. Out of letters. Oh well. F uh, and a the, long. The LJC. What could that be, Matt? Let's just chat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Max saving the bit, closing the show in style. Is there anything else you guys would like to talk about? You had a a marvelous weekend. Has it made you closer as friends?
1: Nothing could have made us any closer than we already were. Believe it. Um, I I just wanted to mention WrestleMania moment of the show, like of the of WrestleMania. Yes, the WrestleMania moment of the year. Let's say, Um, what (laughs) would you say it is, Justin?
0: Uh, well, I. You're going to say what I'm going to
1: say, and I want you to have for the glory to say it. Well, let's, let's go to Tom first, then, see if he has something different. Um,
2: something different. Like, no, I know exactly <laughs> what you're going to say, and agree with that wholeheartedly. Okay, so,
1: legendary <laughs> let's moment. Let's say it on the count of three. Oh, wait, 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 before, before we say it, it, was, it was, the photograph was actually featured on the AV Club, because on their TV Club section on <laughs> Thursday, oh, <yeah>. the WrestleMania <laughs> review was actually the featured, like, TV review of the of the week. So that picture
0: is the picture that I was thinking Wait. of. Okay, so the Re- WrestleMania moment of the year. I'm all gonna
1: phrase it differently, so it's gonna sound really weird. Probably not. Probably not.
0: Okay, I believe in it. All right, on the count of five, five, four, three, two, one. Undertaker sitting on the device
1: and standing up. Anaconda device. It's when Undertaker yeah. gave Punk the death stare in the Anaconda Vice, and Punk was, like, scared like a little baby, and then Undertaker stood up and was like, boom, I'm going to hit yeah. you with a move.
0: Yeah, I mean, but wasn't that the same sequence that was all so awesome together? It was, like, Punk fell out of the Choke Slam and then went for the GTS and hit it, and Undertaker just bounced off the ropes and went, fuck
1: you, and Tombstone Yeah, him. I wasn't sure from my vantage point if, like, Taker avoided it and bounced off the ropes or if Taker actually got hit with it and bounced off the ropes. But, he took it in the gun, which
0: um, is as good as Punk is going to GTS the Undertaker anyway. Go to so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I
1: will say, they actually protected Punk pretty well there, because Undertaker never kicked out of a GTS.
0: That's right.
1: um, un, um, he also... Um, uh, Undertaker never got to hit the last ride on Punk. Um, didn't. Because he can't pull him up by that arm anymore, I don't think. But. Right. So I but... Yeah, I I thought I, I thought that was actually surprising that Undertaker didn't kick out of pin. Even though he no-sold it, which I guess is worse. But um well, he got second win from the ropes. Right.
0: And it I mean it was some like all Japan professional wrestling thing where you hit the move and you're like, "No!"
1: Right. As they call it, um power man style or whatever it was that you said before. <laughs> yeah. oh, fighting, fighting man. <laughs> fighting man.
0: Oh. Well, guys, it's been a crazy show with the, um... Corral? No. The Get the Hell in the Ring show or something
1: like that. Ram it up your ass, (laughs) radio. Bell
0: to bell, hell, on the Ram It Up Your Face radio. Ding, 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 ding. We're going to put in a real bell in post uh Never Has Been, Never Will Be, the Justin Shapiro show. If you guys go to any more pay-per-views, I'll do another one. Actually, maybe if I say it out loud, it'll uh, make it uh, crystallize. But would really like to do a show with Tom talking about all NXTs before the developmental territory, specifically the girly year. And I want to do a show with Matt talking about some... Workers or fighting men in an historical context may be joined by one of the friends you made over this weekend. So I've said them out loud. It's a binding verbal commitment, as uh, co-signed by Terry Bailey's attorney, and uh, I guess I'm obligated to do them at some point. But I don't want to. I don't want to be a guy who has a podcast. Uh, I had it thrust upon me by God. And
1: uh just, so I did just it. Just make Alan record them all and he doesn't even have to say anything, you can just sit there enjoying it. That's true. My you producer, eating spaghetti Alan. Ball and good. Um I I and and I should probably for legal reasons say that punk taker thing on YouTube. I just want a few seconds of that, people. I already paid for the ticket. Leave me alone.
0: No, you're good. Okay. That's out there.
1: Well if, gap, well, if you're no, if you're ready to wrap it up, Justin, I have a final closing line, to so let me know whenever you're ready. Is it the meat hook? It is not.
0: Do you get what that means? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> Big final clothesline. Hit me with it. Until next until next time. L J C. Hey, um this
0: is Justin. Um we received a letter from Hulk Hogan's attorney, Henry Holmes, requesting that we take down the podcast and re-upload it with this addendum, uh, which formally acknowledges the following statement made by me during the show, uh, the suggestion that Hulk Hogan was, quote, found upside down with his head between the legs of a man he was turned on by named Mr. Wonderful, end quote, was presented out of context in a defamatory fashion. This is equally true of the statement I made with regard to, quote, Uncensored video of Hulk Hogan and the late Randy Savage being octuple-teamed by eight men in a cage, end quote. I would like to um, apologize to Terry Belea for any inconvenience caused by my thoughtless remarks. Thank you.
2: Has had the idea that right back into x should form a cannibalistic tag team called Feed Me People, and then when they turn face, they can be Feed Up People.